as you guys listen to those soothing sounds of Dunder Mifflin, you know what that means. We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Just Leo. Hey, everybody. And apropos for today, Ryan the Temp has I'm joined us. I'm not a us. fucking temp. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's it. Jenny pretty much said you watch The Office every single day. You talk about The Office so much. I just want you to rock out with your cock out. And I'm not going to be on today. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, he no, doesn't no. like us anymore. I, I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. <laughs> so it is, it, is, it is quite ironic that like right now, since we're all dealing with this, like, you know, quarantine part of the world, like she still somehow found a way to avoid being on the podcast. <laughs> and, and, she's in the house. And mind you, she can use the excuse she's having brunch, but she's having brunch upstairs <laughs> away from me. <laughs> and mind you, it. we're 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 all healthy people right now. God, you know, God help us. We're all good so far. But like Jenny still just doesn't want to be a part of the office. That's that's what that's yeah, what I've got. Uh, she's busy. She's got plans. She's got she, plans. Uh, she has- She's got. She's got to quarantine herself with the office in the other room. Yeah, I think I. I think I've uh, because obviously we've been prepping for this. I've been watching the office so much, and I think the fact that I'm home all day watching the office has like this. That's destroyed her. I've kind of broken her. <laughs> um. So, I guys. I guess you guys can guess that we are covering the 15th anniversary of the office, one of the most popular shows even today. So we have a we have a lot to cover. I think we've kind of had a good run of short episodes. Uh, that's not today. We have we I think we have a good amount of stuff to cover regarding the office. But before that, let's get into the news. Uh, obviously, Leo mentioned before everything that's going on in the real world, but it's uh, also affecting with cinema that all theaters are not closed indefinitely, every single chain, and that's affecting all the theater releases. So. Black Widow has been postponed, which uh, that was, I think I've spoken on the line and off the line. I think that was my hope that it, everything would be over by May 1st and we get Marvel and everything is good and that's it. I think we need the Avengers to take down the coronavirus. I think so too. I think they can take out the Chitari, they can take out the coronavirus. Absolutely. So Black Widow's postponed. Uh, this isn't going to Disney Plus. This is just, I wonder where it's going. I think. If everything is good by July, I think that's a sweet spot for it. Like right, right as the, everyone's back out, or do you guys think anything different regarding release date? No, that'd be perfect. Bring back the summer blockbuster. Uh, you know, especially after theaters have been closed for so long. Yep. And Leo, yeah, I, Leo, yeah, you, I agree, I agree with both of you guys. I think if anything, this might help out like the whole resurgence of the movie theaters. Yeah. If, if everyone's just dying to get out of the house. Whoever, I think everyone, whether it's Warner's, Disney, I think everyone's like being very, obviously paying attention for all our health, but at the same time, they're like, they want to be that first movie mm-hmm. that opens when the theaters opens again, because that movie is going to make so much money. And if it's Wonder Woman or Black Widow, oh my God, that's going to make so much money. This could have been the perfect recipe for uh, Harley Quinn to make a lot of money if they would have if they would have waited till right. Yeah, <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> but like hypoth- hypothetically speaking, I mean, it sucks that we're going through this in the first place. But have you ever got? Have you guys thought about the fact that if this happened now, we would have lost Avengers last year? Oh my lord! Oh, you're true. Wrong. 
Oh, 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 God, stop it, David. I'm stop just, it. Because <laughs> I, was, I was talking to Jen. I'm like, shit, like a year ago, we were planning our, our wedding, and we, you know, we wouldn't have gotten married. We wouldn't have gone to Italy on our honeymoon or France or Spain. So, like, it's just crazy how the world works, especially with, like, us cinephiles with how much we were looking forward to the endgame. We would have lost endgame, at least postponed. But uh, if it doesn't happen in July and they go and they hold off on it, not because, you know, everything's not better, but just, just want to hold off on it. Wouldn't shock me if they move um, Eternals to February and then Black Widow to November. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, that, and that, that's usually what they do, too. Like, those are the, the, the key months, I think. The only thing the only thing that will give me hesitation on that is does Black Widow tie into the shows? And if the shows have to go after Black Widow, then will that move those things around? But I guess we'll talk, you know, when we get to it, we'll we'll talk about it more. Uh, those are problems that we want to have, to be honest. <laughs> for sure. The only, um, the only good news from this whole thing is that the Avatar sequel has been shut down again. <laughs> Oh, good, good, good. Finally, some good news. Remember when James Cameron said that all oh, Avengers can have that title, but when Avatar 2 comes out, we're about to become the highest grossing film of all time again. <laughs> that that was cute. <laughs> Talk about jinxing yourself at that point. Dude, so let's since the last Avatar movie, we've had at that at this point we'll have three presidents. We'll have a pandemic. Yeah. 22 Marvel movies. <laughs> oh, shoot. Another Star Wars trilogy. True. The Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, we've we've had a lot. We've had a lot. So and I, he thinks we still want a sequel. I, huh. I, 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 I know, right? Um, the next thing on the agenda I mentioned was the VOD. So some of the movies that have gone to VOD... Uh, the Way Back, which I recently saw, it's pretty incredible in terms of Ben Affleck's performance. But as sports movie fans, it's top-notch sports movie. It's like paid by the numbers sports movie, which we all love, but it's worth watching for Ben Affleck. Uh, the Invisible Man, which is one of the best films of the year. I actually, I kind of gave up and knew that we're probably not getting anything till like June. <laughs> so I did my top 10 films of the first half of 2020, and it's a depressing list because... There's not there's not much, um, yeah, uh, the hunt which I still have to see. Um, Bad Boys, Sonic, Birds of Prey, and Bloodshot. So, uh, Vin Diesel was spared. <laughs> was spared another shitty box office, and then um, Onward. The Onward one was surprising because not only is it, did it go to VOD, it's actually going directly to Disney Plus. Which goes in line with something that I told you guys off the line and on the Facebook, on the Real Talk Facebook, that I think New Mutants would be perfect for Disney Plus. It's PG thirteen. Yeah. Someone on the on their Instagram uh, said that no, it's going to Hulu, but I'm like, no, it actually would have a good home in Dis- on Disney Plus. It's PG thirteen. Yeah, it, they can throw it under the X Men because I think they categorize a lot of stuff on Disney Plus to make it easier for you people. Mm-hmm. So they could just throw it under the X Men, and I think it would do well. I agree. I think Disney Plus would be the perfect place for it. I think Hulu's a, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a different brand. I think that uh, the only thing on Hulu from Marvel's group was, was uh, so, Runaways, I think. Runaways? Yeah, they have and Runaways, and, but they have, they they're cloak, showing. Did, right, didn't they put sorry. Cloak and Dagger on there? Uh, I would have to look. If you give me a second, I can find out. Actually, I can't because my phone's not charging. Because I know, on. I know, uh, 
Leo, you said it, it used to be on ABC Family, but the streaming rights were on Hulu, right? Yeah, Freeform. Freeform was the one that had Cloak and Dagger. Um, although, you know, if, if they had Runaways on Hulu, that would make sense because they did want to tie in Runaways to Cloak and Dagger. Mm-hmm. And actually, now that we think of it, if it is a matter of like young teens, I guess maybe maybe New Mutants wouldn't be a bad fit for them either. I would have but, said that, but uh, Runaways is now on Disney+. Plus. They oh, will, then, yeah. yeah. Uh, Disney, Disney+. Plus. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens in the next... I say month. I think we'll get this by April if we do, like, get New Mutants. But, yeah, Onward is on Disney+. Plus. Uh, loved it. Uh, we talked We talked about it off the line. Yeah, it's uh, not top-tier Pixar, Pixar, but still very good Pixar. And then last two bits of news, uh, Rosario Dawson, which is which got our our buddy Kevin very excited, has been <laughs> cast as Ashuka Tano in The Mandalorian Season 2. For f- those unaware, she is Anakin's apprentice in the Clone Wars and Rebels, right? Yeah, Ashuka, mm. man. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, um, I kind of... I'm curious on where they would they're going to use her. If she's going to be a central character, is she going to be a side character? I think they should introduce her as a side, and then just if people are going to love her anyway, and then just push her up to uh, to a central character on the show. Now, does this mean that we're going to get Hayden Christensen back? God, I hope not. <laughs> like, and no, well, no. Remember, this does take place after the Return of the Jedi, but we could also have flashbacks, or we can have Force Ghosts. Oh, that's true, too. I was just thinking more flashbacks, but, yeah, that's a good point, too. Um, so that's great casting. I think Rosario tweeted about it in 2017. How she would be so down to play the character, so totally in on that. And what better way to start off our discussion on the show that gave us the Dundies by looking at the Razzies. <laughs> so uh, I know Ryan loves the Razzies because a lot of these movies are on his top ten of the year. So uh, uh. <laughs> there's not that many. This is in the Oscars where we have 22, ca- 22 different categories. But the Razzies gave up their awards this past week. And to the shock of no one, Cats led with six wins. Should we say six wins or six losses? No, it's wins. It's, it's wins. A win. they, so, they, people, people, people actually worked on this. <laughs> they worked hard to get this. All righty. <laughs> so I'm just going to run through all the categories because there's not that many. So here we go. Worst reckless disregard for human life and public property went to Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> Love it. The Razzie Redeemer Award went to Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, nice. That's a good one. I thought it should have gone for Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems, but whatever. Uh, worst screenplay, Cats. It begins. <laughs> worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel, Rambo Last Blood. Okay. Worst screen combo. Any half two feline, half human hairballs. Cats. Jason Derulo and his CGI neutered bulge. Cats. Worst supporting actress. Rebel Wilson. Cats. Worst supporting <laughs> actor. I'm starting to see a theme here. <laughs> James Corden. Cats. Worst Beautiful. actress. And I've seen this movie and I it was my number two worst film of the year. Uh yeah. Hillary Duff in The Haunting of Sharon Tate. That movie is a fucking piss poor fucking god awful piece of shit movie. Uh worst actor and I'm sorry, I agree with the win, but this this he is the be- one of the best actors in my heart. 
For the fanatic, John Travolta. Oh my God! You've been humping. You, you've been hyping that movie's performance. Isn't it great? It's, yeah, it's, it's so amazing. great. Yes, it's right. so great. Oh man! Uh, worst director, Tom Hooper. Cats. There it is. And worst <laughs> picture, Cats. Wow. Yeah. Not surprised. <laughs> I swept, yeah, it did sweep. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. How, uh, how great that movie is and sucked. Have you guys seen it yet? No, right? I know Leo. No, no way. Oh, guys, but I did see that. Um, that. Oh my gosh, who was it? Um, Seth Rogen. He, um, he got high and watched it because of the quarantine, and he live tweeted his whole thing about him watching it. And what did he say? Well, he—it's—you've got to read these tweets. They're incredibly funny. He's like—he's reacting to like, wait, like, James Judy, uh, Dame Judy Dench is a cat now, but you can see her hands. He's like, well, you can see hands here. Um, and then at the very end, it turns out that there's a there's a there's a, a version of this movie that exists that has their anuses on there, like the yes. cat butt. So now they're saying so he, release the butthole cut. Yeah. So he's was—he's the one that started that 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 whole thing. He's like, release the butthole cut. I uh, so what? what where do we? What are we gonna get first? The butthole cut or the Snyder cut? Uh, butthole cut. Butthole cut. Probably will be better than the Snyder cut. Probably. <laughs> Nothing's gonna make me happier than when the Snyder cut gets released and it's just as fucking awful, <laughs> and then all these fucking dumbass marks can shut the fuck up and go back to their pretentious lives and watch awful Zack Snyder movies gonna be wonderful and then they're gonna write a they're gonna create a podcast about how much they love the movie sucker punch hey hey leave sucker punch out of this that was enjoyable leo leo yo dude those girls are hot leave it alone oh i still love you leo hey guys i couldn't be on this very special episode celebrating the office's 15th anniversary but i did need to drop in and remind you to stay safe COVID-19, better known as the coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you experience any of these symptoms or have come in contact with someone who has or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and consult a physician. Remember, people with chronic and or severe health conditions are at a higher risk of complications if they contract the disease. It's best to stay home and away from others, especially when sick, and continue washing your hands for at least 20 seconds, covering your mouth and nose, and not touching your face or high-touch surfaces like tabletops and doorknobs. Please stay home. If you need a break, take a quick walk outside and remember to stay six feet away from each other. For more information, please visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Thank you. Alrighty, so from one award show to the Dundies, let's look back at The Office. The Office is a show that I started in 2006 so i started in season two when did you guys start watching or was it a netflix thing for you guys um for me i saw a couple episodes here and there like as i was re as i was watching it on netflix i'm like oh i remember watching that one live i remember watching that one live but for the most part it was either catching some of them here and there but netflix for me and yeah, leo for me, uh, for me it was around season three season yeah around there and it's kind of like one of those things where like 
You, um, I caught it live for the most part. I think around the time that uh, Steve Carell's character departs, I stopped watching live. And then there was like these huge moments of just binge watching in between to catch up. But uh, yeah, around season two, season three. Nice. Um, so the show lasted nine seasons, 201 episodes. It premiered on March 24th, 2005, which will be the day the episode goes live. So on the exact 15th anniversary, you're going to get your 15th anniversary special on The Office. So for any for anyone that's been living under a rock these past 15 years, The Office was filmed in a single camera setup in a cinema vertile along the lo- allowing the look of an actual documentary. So pretty much it's a mockumentary style show. And I think one of the reasons that we're going to talk about this a little later on, why it's generationally gain an audience is because it doesn't have the laugh track it doesn't have a studio audience it's it's pretty much deadpan comedy which has become more popular since the 90s that's kind of why one of the main reasons i think it's become such a beloved show by all different types of generations i don't know what do you guys think there uh, so with my, I think you're right. I think that, uh, so uh, maybe you can clarify. I know that this is based on the British version of The Office. Yes, first. which only lasted two seasons. But mockumentaries, I, I would have to say that this show started it, right? In the U.S. at least. I believe so, yes. I know the rest of development had something similar, and I also know that, well, the Parks and Rec I think, definitely started it. Yeah, Parks and Rec was definitely, I think Parks and Rec and The Office were the two, were the two main shows that were doing the mockumentary style but the office and and what works with curb work for the office i mean the stuff that you can't do the stuff that was done on this show you would be never be able to do today yeah and i think the show also like it hit its stride right around the whole time of like when a reality tv took over right survivor yep. was huge i am um, great segue leo because um in order to get the feel of an actual documentary the producers hired cinematographer randall and uh Einhorn, who is known for directing episodes of Survivor, which allowed the show, yep, which allowed the show to have a feel of rough and jumpy, like an actual documentary. Yeah, because I think that that helped it too, because it was a sitcom, it was scripted, but it felt like reality TV, and that's what was all the rave, like the rave right back then. Everyone loved that stuff. And I'm kind of tr- un- unlike our other reel of backs when we do it on film. I'm not going to get too much into like the filming of the show and all that stuff because there's so much more to dive into here. Um, but I did want to mention that I, and I, I'm not sure if you guys know that the show was almost canceled after the first season. It should have been canceled after that first. That first season was brutal. Man. Uh, I disagree a hundred percent. So the show was almost canceled, but because a little movie that I love and I will always appreciate now because it saved the office, the 40-year-old virgin came out into the summer of 2005 and Steve Carell exploded. Ah. So, so the show was renewed for the second season. And I think I will say while the first season is very different to the, the rest of the show, I think second season is where they found their stride. I think second season is where they kind of really took off. Definitely. All right, so let's get to our fun categories here. What has aged the best on the show? And I'm going to cheat here because I just love cheating sometimes. Even And, and my lovely wife loves cheating when we do these lists. So what's aged best and what's aged worst for, for me is the entire show. What do I mean by that? 
So what's aged best for me, I put the entire show because of the generational fandom that it's created based on every single part of the series. The, every, there's something in each season, I think, that I can talk to someone, and I have spoken to a lot of people, that they like something from every single season. And I always use the example, like, my cousin who is now 21, when she was 18, her and her um, her roommate dressed up as Jim and Dwight for Halloween. And she was three when the show came out. <laughs> so that's just to show how big the show has become. Now what's age worse, I'll say the entire show too. What do I mean by that? The entire, po- the entire comedy of the show would not have worked today. So that has aged incredibly poorly because no one today would be able to take this comedy and actually laugh rather than point, oh, this is, you know, this is, he's being sexist, he's being this, he's being that. So those are um, my two age best and worst. What do you guys have? Uh, what's age best is the dynamic between the characters. Like, it just feels so genuine and real. And, yeah. And for what's age worst is, is Michael Scott's Scott. hairline. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Scott season one. <laughs> Uh, man, I, I, I agree with you on what you said about him in season one. Like, he wasn't stupid, Michael Scott. He was an asshole for the most part. Yeah, he, like, unless he was stupidly an asshole. I mean, that really could have been the case. But, no, I think he was just an asshole. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, his hairline was something special in, in <laughs> season season one. All right. What, what about you, Leo? Uh, similar to you guys, he's, I think the, the what's aged the best is like the fact that most people identify with the show because they've worked a job they're not too crazy about, and um, and you go because of the people that you like meet there. So Pam and Jim, you could tell that they're friends, um, and there's like little bitty like stereotypes that you, or archetypes rather that you could pick up that you're like I know someone like that. Yeah. Um, but what's aged the worst is by far Michael Scott season one. He is a jerk and he's very racist. Um, I think he's racist the whole show. Yeah, no, and that, and that I think that goes hand in hand with what ages terribly. There is like the yeah the, the racist jokes are right, D. But they, they're f- but like I I the thing is I think in season one he's I'm not defending racism. I'm just saying in season two on it's like he doesn't know he's being racist. You get what I mean? I think it's it's, it's like innocent. It's still racist. Oh yeah, 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 I agree with you 100 percent there. Yeah, 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 like I think. You said it were perfectly fine. This show could not air today. No, it, no. Would, it would have gotten shut down after the first episode. Like, it's not in my top 10 when we get into our favorite episodes, but I love Diversity Day. I think Diversity Day is <laughs> hilarious. Like, I yeah. cry with Diversity Day. But that episode would not, no way, work today. And it's funny, one of Michael's most racist things that he does in season one is actually hilarious to me. Um, when they play when the basketball game, where when he sees Stan, he's like Stanley. Of course, he's like Stan. What do you, what do you mean? Of course. And then when he comes, he's coming down the stair and he's like secret weapon and he's absolute trash. Die crying. Um, but yeah, so that's what's age. What's age best and worst for all of us? Trophy room. Unlike the last couple of movies we've covered, where there is absolutely nothing to talk about here, so we actually have something to talk about here. So throughout the show's run, the show was nominated for 145 awards, winning 29 of them. And if you say, wow, that's such a disparity for wins and losses, usually when a, uh, 
um, for example, a film gets a like a million nominations and never wins over fifty percent of them. It's very rare. It's, it's those like Parasite did so good, uh, winning a lot of awards, but that's a very rare thing. Like Joker this year, I think it was nominated for like two hundred something and it only won like eighty something awards. So that's kind of like how it usually works. So AFI awards, it won in two thousand six and two thousand eight AFI program of the year. Um, at the Alma Awards, that's the American Latino Media Arts Award. It won Outstanding Actor in a Comedy Series for, I think, you know who? No? We're talking about the Latino Media Arts Award. Any guesses? Um, Oscar. Oscar, yeah. 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 At the American Cinema Editor Awards, it won in 2007 and 2014 for Best Edited Half-Hour Series. But I'm going to go straight to the... DGA, it won in 2009 for Paul Feig because uh, Paul Feig directed a few episodes of The Office for Dinner Party. Really? Yes. Oh, Paul Feig directed a shit ton of episodes. The best part about rewatching The Office, and I pay attention to it a lot more now, is, is seeing who directed every episode because there's always a surprise person that directed all the episodes. Like Mindy Kalin directed a lot, BJ Novak directed a lot. So there's a lot of. Uh, people that directed episodes that you'd probably be surprised and paul fee was one of the ones that surprised me um at the emmys it only won outstanding comedy series once in 2006 and steve carell never won for a lead actor and the reason for that was because uh this was the same time as entourage was going on oh yeah so jeremy piven was winning the awards there and i believe if he wasn't winning for lead he also had modern family i think modern family had just started around this time and it was like dominating uh so did it have a, did 30 rock was 30 rock part of its contemporaries at all i was but i don't think i'm not i'd have to look it up i'm not really a big 30 rock fan but i don't think it ever it won too many emmys i may be I I may have, be wrong on that but alec baldwin was like that may be it actually no it may not have been entourage it may have been alec baldwin i think the show didn't win that many emmys but i think alec baldwin won a few emmys um and then it won for outstanding comedy series so it's it did it did some damage but not as much as you that would have expected so that's where that is there and then moving on to our favorite categories we're going to save our episode for last. So let's do the that guy f- from award. Let's start with that. So Ryan the Temp, I'll let you kick it off because you always usually go last year. <laughs> I went with, uh, I can't think of his real name, but Dwight. He's, every time I see him in anything else, I've always been like, that guy from Ryan Wilson. No, Rain, 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 Rain Wilson. Wilson. Thank you, Casey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Rain uh, Wilson. That's actually my that guy from Reward, Rain Wilson. <laughs> I was actually watching Entourage yesterday, and I'm like, oh, my God, look, it's Dwight. Yeah, so, that's mine, too, because even though he, like, he, had, he had a film career, too, but like, I, I agree with both of you. Yeah, that's my that guy award. Yep. And then let's transition from that guy award to not a new category, but our favorite character and our least favorite character, because I've been teasing people that have asked me about who my least favorite character in the office is for a few weeks now since this uh, idea came up so i'm gonna do my favorite character first and that's michael and dwight and jim because those three are so 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 great their their chemistry together is top notch for the entire seven years they are on the show together um underrated though creed 
just got yes! to throw yeah, some. Got to him on my list. He's not my favorite character, and then like Kevin is a lot. I love everybody for the most part on this show, but like those three are obviously my favorite. But Kevin and Creed are the unsung heroes on that show, especially Creed. What's your if you, what's your favorite Creed moment? If you guys have one, I have one. I have one. The too. one that comes to my head is just at the very end when he's wanted, <laughs> and then he sneaks around. <laughs> I have so, spoilers. What about you, Leo? Uh, for me, is I uh, remember when um when Michael goes around giving the fake uh the fake rumors for everybody. Yeah. So remember how uh, Creed is like he goes to Pam and Jim and he's like, um, who did you guys say that I have asthma? If I have asthma, I can't go scuba diving. If I can't scuba dive, What's what the have this been <laughs> so mine is when Creed when and I think you guys know I think I've told you guys this part. Um when it's Halloween and he's all bloody and he's getting yes, he's like it's Halloween. How convenient. And I also really like um the when he dyes his hair bl- black when they have to fire someone. Or no, where they're trying to get rid of all the old people and he and he dyes his hair with all the the ink. I like that too. Alrighty, and then least favorite character. Oh, um, I have a list. <laughs> what you have a list? Yeah, I have a list too. Favorite? Yeah, really, I only hate. I look. There's one. Per- I I think you guys may have Angela on your list, and don't, and you get guys can say it in in a little bit if I'm right or wrong. But there there is still some qualities of her that make me laugh, like when they go by, like Michael buys them all, uh, lingerie. And then she's like, I can only get clothes from the American Girl store. And th- sometimes they don't fit. I just She has her, her moments. But there's only one character on that show that I loathe, I hate, I roll my eyes. I think she's unfunny. I get her purpose on the show, but she really doesn't do it for me. And that's motherfucking Phyllis. Phyllis? I, guys, I have a list of reasons I don't like Phyllis. <laughs> number number one cop season three copying pan's wedding theme from invitations to font at the wedding to wedding cake all right you're gonna copy pam's entire wedding theme fine which brings me to the next one her her consistent condescending comments towards pam every time something has to do between jim her phyllis and sales so Every t- like for example, season four when it was outed that they were dating, Phyllis is like, "Oh, you know, you just have to forward the call to any random sal- uh, salesman, not just who you're sleeping with that week." Dude, shut the fuck up! If this was Karen Filippelli, fine, by all means. Who are you, Phyllis? Who are you? And then recent, and then recently during this wa- this binge along, um, when she rats out Dwight to corporate. When he leaves, leaves her on the side of the road. You shouldn't have done that, Phyllis. He's just trying to help you lose some weight. And then when he rats out that Dwight is sleeping with Angela while she's engaged to Andy. It's not your business, lady. Not your business. So, Damn. Oh, good points. So, yeah. Phyllis fucking stinks. And anyone that likes Phyllis needs to not watch The Office because you don't belong watching The Office anymore. All right. What about you guys? Who are your favorite and least favorite characters? Go ahead, Rye. Uh, favorites, I put Dwight, Andrew, Daryl, Creed, and Jim. All of them, I just, for different reasons. Um, and my least favorite was Angela, Packer, Kelly, Robert California, and although I'm nicknamed after him, 
Ryan the fucking temp. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't do Robert California because I don't know. He wasn't on the show enough for me to like completely hate him. He just annoyed me. Yeah, when he yeah, spoke. yeah. That's it. That's what it is. I think <laughs> it's annoying. You like Robert California, Leo? Uh, so it's funny. If you guys remember when he first got introduced, he convinced Joe to give up the CEO position. I'm like, that's like, holy crap, man. I thought this guy was ridiculous. No, of course. And then James Spader is a, a fantastic actor. He is. But uh, no, I, I thought he was uh, ridiculous. But he, unlike Michael Scott, this man was a genius. Um, uh, no. Yeah, no. I got, I'm not, no, no. I'll take Michael Scott any day of the week over Robert California. Oh, and wait, there's hidden, talking, like, and I think Michael was like almost a savant. When, especially when it came to sales and everything, there were certain episodes that led you to believe that. I don't think he was all the way dumb. And I think no, that, no, right. Right. that was purposely we, we, done by the creators. I think they wanted him. Yeah, you're gonna be. He's gonna be. You know, he's gonna be Michael. But I think they wanted always to sprinkle moments every season of him, like proving that why he is the regional manager. Like, and like, yeah, yeah. He, there's and there's always moments on the show, all seven seasons outside of, of even the first one. I think he has maybe one or two moments, if that. But like from season two on, they always sprinkle a little bit of Michael, like out, like in outsmarting someone. Yeah, so. like as, as, as a salesman, Michael definitely has some pros. But like, like I said, Robert California somehow got the CEO from Joe, and he also convinced. Um, he convinced. Oh my lord! Um, who uh, who did who ended up buying Dudley Bifflin back? Um, Charles. Uh, no, uh, David Wallace. David Wallace. Yeah, he convinced David Wallace to somehow sponsor his trip to Europe <laughs> so he can go with young women. So I'm like. Vader's character, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. But who I did hate, so I'll go through my hated characters before my loved characters. Oh, man. Um, I hated Clark. I hated Kathy. Everyone um, from season eight and nine. Yeah, I, so it's funny. Um, even though the characters were funny, and I'm not saying they're not funny, but as like full characters and people, Oscar, Angela, and Stanley. <gasps> Stanley. Stanley's Stanley harmless. Was, yo, Stanley was the most disrespectful, insubordinate <laughs> person. And I hated Michael Scott. Um, but Stanley just showed no respect at all towards him. He just wanted to play um, his crossword puzzles. Yeah, yeah. But like I'm like, don't get me wrong. Impressive like, day. If you want to think Michael's ridiculous, think Michael's ridiculous. For the most part, everyone in the office thought that. But Stanley was just a jerk about it. He was just mean, honestly. I was like, I can't get behind that. He just seems really, really mean. Angela for cheating on Andy, for sure. Oscar for cheating with um, Angela's, with, with the senator. Um, Kathy for her role in what she was trying to do. Clark just wasn't interesting. Clark was just annoying. No, yeah. He was, Clark was uninteresting. I agree. But uh, my liked, my most liked characters, I have Charles Minor. What? what White. You, Charles yeah. Minor? Idris Elba? Are you serious? I loved it. I love that he came in and he knew what he was doing. Oh he was my. an actually good manager. I freaking loved it. Um, he picked Dwight. Dwight over Jim. Well, to be, yeah, to be fair, that was just based on he caught, he caught Jim in a really bad moment because Jim was, he did the very terrible first impression. Um, Jim. Creed, and here's one that I know I don't know he's gonna be on the end of your list, but I like Toby, bro. Oh, yeah, you're on your own there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I think Toby was. I mean, aside from the fact that he was really obsessed with Pam, and then 
in a weird way attracted to himself when he when he was uh, when he when he saw himself in costume. But I, I for some reason I I, I kind of like those little like Toby moments. Oh man, I got I got ugh, Toby's Toby. I guess that's that's where I'll leave it there. And then. How you know your your list on uh, on Phyllis and how terrible character she was? Yeah, I have a list on why Michael Scott is the number one worst character on this show. I think you would be the only person that agrees that says that. <laughs> Again, he's I think he's hysterical. I think the show is him. I will say that after the rewatch, Michael Scott is the heart and soul of this show. After he left, it's not it's just not the same. And you, you hate him? him? Yeah, I think as a character though, as like so. My, my facts on Michael Scott and why he's the worst. Um, he tries to convince Dwight to take credit of the of the, um, oh, the golden ticket idea. The golden idea. ticket idea, yeah. That's not a good, that's not nice. He just, he literally was trying to pawn off an idea and take responsibility and do it to Dwight. He sabotages Jim for his own selfish reasons when Jim's about to get promoted. And he's about to get promoted too. The whole Scott's Tots ordeals where he promises college to Bunch of like yeah, I can't, bunch of privileged I, I, children. I can't defend. I can't defend Scott's thoughts. <laughs> with Donna, goes to meet the guy that she's cheating on with, and steals the orange slices from the kids. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny though. <laughs> no, it's hysterical. Um, and I thought the one moment was: you remember when they're all doing yoga, and um, like he's walking around the room, and you're sensing oh, how stressed they're all getting when yeah. he walks around them. Yeah, that's funny. That's really hilarious. He's stressed out. They're a whole staff. As a character, as a hysterical. I think Michael Scott was so, so, so funny. But, yo, he's a terrible person. Oh, no. I don't think he's a terrible person. I think he's just, he just doesn't know any better. He just doesn't know any better. And then, Rye, um, your reasons for who you hate. Uh, let me just go back to the list real quick. Because you I'm definitely apologize. mentioned Kelly, and Kelly is not someone I would I would have thought would have been on your list of hated because she's hilarious. Well, um, and it's not even hate; it's like least favorite when it came to these characters. Um, Angela, just I find her to be dull, and then when I felt like she was like messing with Dwight too much, and Dwight was my boy, so and especially when she lied about the about the. Uh, the baby? baby's yeah. father yeah the baby that really pissed me off that's when she made the list packer again i love and he's i love the actor i like when he's in stuff but i found him to just be annoying yep and same thing with kelly kelly remind me of some of the girls in high school that i couldn't fucking stand <laughs> robert tell california me. like i said tell us uh, how you really feel about kelly <laughs> she did she reminded me of some people <laughs> i'm not gonna say any names but uh <laughs> Robert California, I already said it, just the way he talked and the way he did things, I just found him to be annoying. Uh, And Ryan the Temp, I just found him to be a complete douchebag. Ryan the Temp season four sucked. Like, I hated Ryan when he was, like, the uh, the boss. I hated him. He was was awful there. With the the weird, scraggly, with the weird, like, uh, scruff here. Yep. I hated him there. Alrighty. So let's move on to the Detlef Shrimp Six Man of the Series Award. Ryan? Kick us off. Who do you have? Sixth man, I have uh, Craig Robertson. Really? You I, really I like think... Daryl that much? I, I really love Daryl. <laughs> is, <he, laughs> is, is it just because I've come to the conclusion you like Daryl because he's in Kevin Smith movies and Leo, no, likes, I liked... and Leo likes Robert California because he's a villain in a Marvel movie. I got it. I got it. 
<laughs> no, I like Craig Robinson. I liked him from other stuff too. <laughs> no, I. But no. My favorite, I, I will say, my favorite Daryl moment. It's probably not yours, right? But it's um, when he's showing everyone the Baylor, and then Michael's like, "No one can do this," and he's like, "I can, and I will." <laughs> no, that's a really good one too. I just like his transition from, I like his character transition from a warehouse guy to the manager to uh, like wherever he was. I can't not manager, but wherever he was, and then to the athlete or athlete, whatever athlete, it was. Yeah, athlete. Athlete. Alrighty, and then that's a that's a good choice, uh, Leo. Who do you have? My six man is Creed, bro. I just freaking loved Creed. I think even though he had like so, I, I think if we do the research, he might have had like the least like dialogue. dialogue yeah, yeah. In it, but I would live for him being in his confessional scenes because you knew it was going to be ridiculously. Oh funny. yeah, and then um, mine is also Creed, but tomorrow. Yes. But I always like it could be Creed or Kevin because. I think Kevin is so fucking hilarious in some of the mo- some some of the some of the one on ones. I think Kevin is so hilarious. Like when um when we get Prison Mike, and then he was saying um he was finding out some of the things that he was arrested for are the same things that I do here every day. <laughs> fucking dead. He is hilarious. <laughs> but no, like you said, like you said, Leo Creed is so 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 fucking hilarious. And then um. When they shit it, when when some, when uh, Packer shit it on Michael's cop, carpet, and then Creed walks in, he's like, "Oh, somebody making soup." <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, do you remember? Uh, do you remember the um, when when, he, uh, when Michael's doing the um, the, the the murder scene? The who's done it? Murder, and Creed walks in a little late. Yes, and he he's runs like, out. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a murder. He's like, "There's been a murder, and you are a suspect." He's like, "Oh, I'll be right back." <laughs> Dead. Oh man, that's great. That's great. All right, so moving on to there's no there's no crying in baseball. So I have three here. So for me, I have when Michael left the 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 moment in the in his office with him and Jim. He's like, "What I'm not, what I am going to tell you tomorrow is that you're the best boss I ever had, or whatever." And then culminating culminating in the airport where they take off their mics and Pam finally reaches him. I've yeah. teared up there. Um, the finale. Specifically, when Andy said, "I wish there was a way to know you were in the good times before the good times passed," and when um, Pam takes the frame at the end of the series, and then uh, Pam and Jim's wedding, be- uh, what should have been the series finale, uh, yeah. So those are the three moments in the show that I really, really teared up. What about you guys? You have any? Um, actually, I have two of the ones. The, my two was two of the ones you said. Oh, okay. The one where you wish you uh, knew the good times before they passed. And the where Michael's goodbye, especially seeing Pam run to meet him beforehand. Which funny thing is, you can't do that anymore either. But uh, <laughs> but seeing that, I got even. That's where I got teary eyed. All right, what about you, Leo? You guys, um, yes, yeah, sim ones. But I think I, I'm also gonna add in Michael's proposal to Holly. Fuck Holly! You're lucky she didn't make my fucking <laughs> least favorite characters list because if it wasn't for that fucking Holly, he would have never left the show. All right, go ahead. No, Michael's proposal I thought was super sweet and just really beautiful. Yeah, no, it was uh, sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, but the Jim Michael goodbye, bro, that just tugs on some heartstrings. The Michael Pam goodbye, but also Dwight reading the letter of recommendation. Yes, that's uh, a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot, but I'm gonna oh. keep a lot of these for my top moments. But yeah, it's really 
a lot of tear jerkers on this show. So I also really like, and it's not on any of our list. The it's about Michael's goodbye on the last Dundee episode where they sang the rent song <laughs> to him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's really awesome too. Uh anything else on your end? No? All right, cool. So next up we have the Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. Who is the MVP of the series? I couldn't decide. I went with Steve Carell and Rain Wilson. I think those two are the funniest two on the show. Hands down. No doubt about it. Those two are the funniest two on the show. What did who do you guys have anyone different? No, same. I just put Dwight. So I was gonna put Dwight, but I because I but I realized that they were gonna do a spinoff with Dwight. That the farm was supposed to be yeah, a that, spinoff. That episode sucked. Um, like Rain Wilson couldn't carry the show by himself. Yeah. Um. And the Office, even though it did last after Michael Scott left, it wasn't the same. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it though. Of course, it, you yeah, did. me too. I, I liked it too, but you felt the difference of it. I don't know if you would have. I think the show could have gone on without Dwight. Um, I could pick Michael Scott. I think the show is just, it's, it's Michael Scott's show. Even without a minute, you still felt his presence. Everyone that was a manager after Michael Scott was just like a poor man's Michael Scott. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because I was looking at the, uh, when I was making this, this decision, obviously, obviously Steve Carell is mostly, uh, should be on everyone's list. But the reason I added Dwight and I added, added Rain Wilson was more because of the, how he grew as a character for me and, and and you know he kind of still kept his you know his dwightisms if you want to call them but i think he grew as a person with like the friendships he developed with pam and jim yeah. and and exactly. even angela like he grew to like not just being like because he joked in season not even joked like in season two or three where he was talking about how she'd be a great like breeder of his child or whatever to like actually falling in love with her. And I, I think he had a good arc from beginning to end. And he is hilarious with some of his one-liners. Like some of the ones and I don't have it in my moments because I, I saved that for other things. But Dwight talking about how he wishes he could menstruate so he could get, get rid of the, ca- the, the, the idiotic calendar so he could be one with the moon and the tides. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and then um, another Dwight moment is when... Uh, where when he has the um oh my god not the menstruate oh where he says that he has that he, he's fast the fastest person in the office he's between a snake and a mongoose <laughs> yeah, i mean shit like that it i think his uh, the fact that he's so random just cracks me up and he is that's why i added him to my list and then right. finally for our new categories here peaks and valleys so peaks is hard right um... no Cause so I, uh, I it, it was hard until I realized a lot of the cast were writers for the show. So I'm like, I'm not going to hold them accountable for their acting because they're still probably really productive in their writing. But I, I kind of once I figured that out, I kind of just went with one one actor. And I'm like, yeah, this is. I still just know you from this. I don't. I don't think you did anything afterwards. Are, are we all going with Rain Wilson here? No, I went but, with Pam. No, yeah, Jenna Fisher. Oh, you bro. went with Jenna Fisher. Okay. Ben Wilson has actually had a lot of movies since yeah. this show, but Jenna Fisher's done nothing. Yeah, I don't think, and and I think she's a writer now. She wrote a book recently that she uh, promotes on her Office Ladies podcast. So I think she's a, she's writing now. So yeah, no, I I would agree with you guys there. I thought you guys were going in the Rain Wilson direction, like from 
from the uh, that guy from. But no, I, I I would agree with you there. I mean, when I meant it was hard for the peaks and valleys, I mean the valley. Like who after this movie, exp- after the show, like still had an amazing career. And I think it's it's hard. I can't even choose between Steve Carell and John Krasinski. So I, I'm just gonna say both of them. I think those two had the best career after the show. Yeah, I I ended up picking Krasinski over Carell just uh, just because I think that for some reason I think Carell is still you still think of him as Michael Scott first and foremost, and I think Krasinski has now started to separate from Jim because now you now you're talking about like a uh, a Quiet Place and the Jack Ryan series on Amazon. Like I think he's had more of like an identity shift from Jim, but I think Carell you're still thinking of Michael Scott. Okay. But both of them had an incredible careers. You're right, which is difficult in any kind of sitcom when you separate. I mean, I think everyone from Friends failed at that miserably. All righty. And then you, Ryan, what do you have? I went with uh, Michael, Michael Scott, Steve Carell on this okay. one. All righty. So let's move on to our top five worst moments and top five best moments on the show. So for worst moments, I really had a hard time with the worst moments because i pretty much am obsessed with the entire show but i was able to put some stuff together but uh rye why don't you kick us off here actually i only did i did top 10 moments in general i didn't know we'll have top yeah same i didn't do a top i didn't do a bottom five okay like so moments. i did so i'll just do some of my worst ones i have uh the entire spinoff episode dealing with shoot farms i didn't really like that too much um this is a worse moment because it was the way the day the show kind of shifted was Michael leaving Dunder Mifflin, Mifflin, and then the number one is hands down the worst thing Michael Scott ever did, and probably the most cringeworthy moment of the show, and that's Scott's tots. That is, <laughs> that is, I can't watch that episode. I really can't. It's so it's so hard because I know where it's going, and then the fact I it. Even in a hard episode like that, a cringeworthy episode, I still think it's funny that he gave everyone laptop covers. Still think it. Oh no, it wasn't even laptop covers. It was it was laptop chargers. It was chargers. Yeah, he has an extra battery. Or I, something. I yeah. still think that's pretty funny. It's very Michael Scottish. Uh, but in terms of top ten moments, all right, uh, what do you guys have? Uh, Leo, you to kick us off this time. Cool. Uh, my top ten moment for the for the office I have as um when in like in the like the last season Pam and Jim are having some problems and um, they go through marriage counseling and there's a there's a scene where um they're saying goodbye he's going back to Philly I think and she runs after him to give him the umbrella um and then it's like a weird goodbye but they finally have a hug and during the hug you see a replay of their wedding vows oh that's a good one. Um, and it's like, okay, they're going to be okay. They're they're back to normal. They can go back to the Jim and Pam we know rather than this weird little fighting Jim and Pam that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, my number nine is when Dwight's consoling Pam. Oh, yes, that's a good one. Yeah, because you see Dwight soften up, even though he thinks she's having her period. But <laughs> 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 he, he's like, are you menstruating right now? Yeah, but he's being nice to her. And I'm like, that's super sweet. Um, my number eight is the, um, when Jim and Pam communicate through Bluetooth for the whole day. That's cute. Um, I like that, yeah. Number seven is Asian Jim. <laughs> that was funny. I did like that. Uh, my number six is Jim as Dwight. Ah, when he yes. comes in. That better be on all our lists. <laughs> 
Uh, my number five is Michael and Pam's goodbye at the airport. My number four is Jim and Michael's goodbye. My number three is when Jim proposes halfway between both their locations, the gas station. Um, my number two is Michael's proposal. And my number one is when Jim finally asked Pam out. Because she like mid-confessional saying on how like they missed their timing, it's not going to happen, she wishes them the best. I think Karen, Jim, and Michael had all been interviewing for the new the new position. Yep. And then out of nowhere, he just interrupts the confessional, asks her on a date, and you see like Jenna Fisher just start tearing up, saying like, "Oh shoot, it's finally happening!" But yeah. that's my number one favorite. And I love I love that scene too because at the end she's like, "What was I saying?" Yeah. Like uh, that, that, yeah. All right. What about you, Ryan? What do you have? Um. All right. Straight off the bat, I'm going to say I cheated a little bit on this on here, and I also went with like kind of themes from the show. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Number ten, I wish someone would tell you when the good times are, when the good old days are. Um, number nine, the whole Dwight and Angela dynamic from the entire show, uh, just their growth in their relationship and the ups and downs they've had. Um, number eight, like Leo said, Jim Pan reconciling. Number seven, the Scranton Strangler. Um, <laughs> number six, ladies and gentlemen, we just lost a co- client, and then they all cheered, made me fucking die because I can't imagine complaints, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, number five, Jim and Pam's first kiss. Um, number four, all of Jim's pranks on Dwight. Just, I think, added just that was that sugar do on you, top. Do you show. have a favorite? I uh, just because I still don't know how we did it, and it's so stupid. I'd go with the original. I think it's the first one we see the, the Jello stapler, and yeah, I've actually looked that up. I I don't know how the how, I don't know how they. Jenny thinks it's easy. I'm I'm gonna make her do it because I don't know how you did that. <laughs> Please, I I'll buy the Jello for you guys. <laughs> so I actually my favorite is when uh, I have two. I have uh the one where he put all his stuff in the vending machine. And Dwight has to <laughs> Dwight has to buy them all, and I really, really think it's so funny because like even when he's in in uh, Connecticut, he's still able to get him when he sends his letter letters from himself from the future. <laughs> yeah, that that was really great. All right, keep going, Rye. My bad. Um, Jim's proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, Pam and Pam meeting Michael in the airport before he leaves and when michael comes back as dwight's best man i thought that that. was such a good one yeah so i have some honorable mentions not that i think i only have one here no i have two so i have what uh leo mentioned before where pam finally gets asked out by jim i love that moment number two i think on honorable mentions list here i think uh people don't talk about the opening the the cold openings too much on the office and i think they're great one of my favorite ones is parkour parkour or the season seven opening where they all sing oh and they all sing me. the song yeah that's another good one. Oh my god i i forgot because that's one of the i mentioned like we don't talk about the cold openings that much and this time around when i rewatched it i wanted to pay attention more to the cold opening dude i fucking died with parkour especially at the end where uh where he andy jumps into the box Yep. Uh, so my number and my number ten is when Michael comes out of the uh, the break room and he's like, "I declare bankruptcy." <laughs> Shit, have me crying. Um, number nine, the one you mentioned before. I wish I I wish someone would tell you you were in the good times before the good times are gone. 
My number eight is a combination of different scenes from this episode. The garden party introduction. I think this is the garden party is the best episode outside of the finale in the last two seasons. I think that is still the office being the office because I think it focused on its cores like like Jim, Dwight, uh, Andy. So the reason I like this episode so much is I don't know if you guys remember Dwight's introducing everybody. Yes, the announcement. And yeah. he's like, Stanley Hudson and his mistress. And uh, when he introduces Jim, and he's like, Jim, Pamela, and his wife, and his daughter, Pee-Pee. Uh, so that, that's on there. My oh, when Jim kept going back and forth, and yes. like, Jim, Jim, <laughs> Jim. <laughs> um, this is funny. This is another, I think this is a cold opening. Correct me if I'm wrong. When Dwight reveals that he has a wig for every person in the office. That is a cold opening. It is. I think that's hilarious, too. Uh, number six, Pretzel Day. Any uh, yeah. Anything from when Michael walks out of that office to when he has the sugar rush, that whole, that whole thing is such a great moment on the show. Number five, it is your birthday period. Oh, my gosh. Yes, the party. So I, I just think it's funny because of the fact how inept they are to throw a party and then when Dwight build, uh, blowing up the balloons that are at the sides of a, a like a, a rock or whatever it's hilarious uh, number four what you mentioned before Leo when Jim impersonates the wife for the day um, and I think when Dwight impersonates Jim at the end of the episode is a good payoff that's, that's yeah it really is um, number three you guys didn't mention it but every time I watch it I think it is so fucking hilarious when Michael accidentally wears a woman's suit. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, she's like, um, what is Michael's like? Oh, it doesn't have any pockets. And he's like, yes, because it's mysterious. <laughs> um, number two is when Kevin brings his famous homemade chili and spilled it immediately on arrival to the office, then proceeds to fall and roll on it. Hilarious. <laughs> and then my number one is when Pam and Jim, in Niagara Falls, coinciding with that Chris Brown wedding dance and them getting married on the boat. I think that's the best moment on the show. That's my favorite moment on the show. So let's move on, and then we're going to finish off with our favorite episodes and fun facts on the show. So favorite episode, I have... We all did 10 here, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have some honorable mentions, Perfect. but yeah, 10. Perfect. I have some honorable mentions, too. And then we do this the way we do all our lists from 10 to f- 6, and then we finish it off. So honorable mentions, I have Garden Party. I have Casino Night, Booze Cruise, The Negotiation, The Initiation, and Basketball. All right. Number 10, I have Goodbye, Michael, Season 7, Episode 22. And I have it tied with another episode, which I'll get which I'll get into in a second. Um, so goodbye, Michael. Season season seven, episode twenty two. Um, so you mentioned that Michael was pretty much an idiot, but like I feel like he's a guy that he wasn't a sad case. I think he was someone that was always full of hope, and he always looks at the best at and everybody. Like his friendship with Todd Packer. Now Todd Packer is an asshole. But yes. Dwight, I mean, but Dwight, but Michael thinks that that's his best friend because he doesn't know any better. Like, I think he does take it too far. He did take it too far sometimes. But I think the fact that you mentioned before, he is the heart of that show. And the moment he left that show, it's when the show went down in terms of quality. 
Um, like you mentioned, the recommendation, the goodbye from Pam, the goodbye from Jim. I think this episode, if this was the series finale, I would have thought, wow, this is really, really good stuff. So the other episode I have for number 10 tied here was season three, episode 20, safety training. <laughs> I think this is so funny because it goes in line with the whole uh, that, that that joke from Daryl that I mentioned before when Michael's like, I'm going to use the I'm going to use the Baylor and I'm and I will use it. But it goes back to one of my favorite lines on this show. And he's like, Dwight, you ignorant slut. Yes. It's a, I think it's, it's a simple premise, but it turns into some of the best comedy on that show. And the fact where um, they're doing a, an, a, a one shot of Jim and Pam when Michael is restarting his speech, and he's like, "Oh, I think I'm going to bring my mom for the for the for the for the evening show." My number nine, I have the injury season two episode twelve. For anyone that doesn't know. See, the injury is the episode that Michael steps his, puts his foot on a George Foreman grill. Yeah. Why did he do it, though? <laughs> Why did he do it? Because he likes the fresh smell of bacon in the morning. So he has a George Foreman grill next to his bed, and he leaves the – which I didn't understand how he's able to do that. So he just leaves the, 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 the eggs cooking at all night, and then he wakes up. I never no, got that no. far. So he um he leaves the uh, he leaves the George Foreman grill unplugged with bacon on it. He wakes up, Turns plugs it, it on, in, yes. goes back to sleep, and wakes up again. I think that's some of the best comedy on that show. And then when Dwight's running, he's like, "Oh no 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 not Dwight send Ryan send Ryan." Number eight here, I have the convict season three episode nine, and I think you know what episode I'm talking about it is the. Only appearance of one of the best characters on that show, Prison Mike. Oh, God. Yeah. No? Oh, I thought you were going to know me on that. No, no, Prison Mike. Then the Dementors. Don't forget the Dementors. <laughs> and then Karen's like, the Dementors from Harry Potter? She's like, geez. He's like no, no, no. No, I, I love it. I, I love when uh, Jim's like, where did you learn that, Prison Mike? And he's like, from the internet. Not, not Prison Mike? Um, number seven, I have the finale season nine episode 23 um the episode takes place one year actually after the documentary air so it's kind of a uh rehash of every what everyone's been doing the last year and dwight and angela's wedding and are you sad were you upset when they when dwight fired kevin because <laughs> he fires him in that episode not really i mean no? yeah no, Kevin looks like it, and looks like he was happy at the end, so it yeah. doesn't matter. And then uh, the line we said before, and then what you said when Michael finally reappears, and I think he has the best the best way to bring him back when he said that's what she said. Yes, that's perfect there. And then my number six is season one, episode two, Diversity Day. Favorite line on that show on that specific episode: Abraham Lincoln once said, "If you're a racist." I will attack you with the North. I I think it's so random because it was ad-libbed. So they told Steve Carell to just make up some stuff, and he went off with that. Um, it's it's the hardest episode, I think, to watch outside of St Scott uh, Scott's Tots. Do you think you guys agree, or do you think it's a little – it's an easy watch? I think it's an easier watch. Easier watch? Scott easier watch. Um, I think that – Diversity Day is essentially the office premiere 
because the first episode is the same as the original uh british version it's a carbon copy so diversity is actually the first original episode of the series oh shoot did not know that yeah um and there's so much funny stuff about there uh, on that episode the uh uh when everyone wears different uh the different uh diverse uh ethnicities and uh what was it it was um dwight and he's like oh am i a woman (laughs) when it comes to driving uh so yeah hard episode to some but it was one of my favorites and that's my 10 through 6 uh leo take it away cool so my number t- well my honorable mentions would be uh beach games with uh when, they, when pam has her firewalk and, oh my uh, god yes. when andy so puts, like, everybody took a seat when andy falls in the water with that yes! in the fat suit yes <laughs> um broke when the Michael Scott Paper Company is bought out by Thunder Mifflin, Love that I thought one. was super cool. Uh, Threat Level Midnight, because it's a payoff from the mention of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, to see the final product. Uh, Dinner Party, because we finally get to see Michael and Jen in their home. Um, uh, which is the roast of Michael Scott and the Stanley of um, the fire drill. Yes. Um, assistant to the assistant regional manager. Um, I have there for the video reel at the end where the, that, that uh, Jim has a compiled for Jim, for uh, for Pam. Mm. And uh, Michael's last undies is also my last. Uh, I think that the, the rent song at the end. Uh, and just the episode in general, you see like the, the handoff. Um, D'Angelo Vickers is not a terrible replacement, but he's a terrible host. Uh, but yeah, those are my honorable mentions. My number 10, as far as my favorite episodes, the finale. I have the finale as my number ten. Uh, my number nine is Goodbye Toby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just seeing how badly Michael's been waiting for this day to happen, and how he has to control himself because Holly is there and he's like in love with her. Um, I just think it's one of those funniest. Like, I just love it. I love the whole way how, yeah, you just see him fighting himself and all the things he wants to do. Number eight is Company Picnic. Um, I, for some reason, I really loved seeing them all play volleyball, specifically when they started taking it seriously against corporate, and you see them go against Charles Minor. Um, and then at the very end, when you find out that Pam is pregnant, um, number seven, Classy Christmas. <laughs> Dude, the fact that Dwight was able to just destroy Jim so badly that the poor man is traumatized i freaking loved it just because you see jim always have the upper hand yeah so when you see i finally have it i'm like oh geez and the, the army of snowmen at the end um number six the job and that's the one where jim karen and michael all go to interview at corporate um and the very end is where jim finally asked pam out um my number oh we're just doing 10 through 6 right yes cool and that's my number six yeah all righty go ahead rye my number, uh, my honorable mention is the basketball game. Number eleven, beach games. Ten, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. My number, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, my honorable mentions are basketball and beach games. Um, number ten, garden party. Number nine, the Dundies. Number eight, the Dundies are night. an honorable mention, Ryan. No, number nine. Number nine, number you're, st- you're, you're, and this is why you're the temp. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn temp. <laughs> Number eight, Casino Night. Number seven, fam- Free Family Portrait Studio. <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, talking hero. 
And number six, dinner party. <laughs> All righty. So my number five is Gay Witch Hunt Season 3, Episode 1. Uh, an episode that would not work today at all. But I think I it's a very big moment on television, too. I think it was uh, the on network TV. I think it was the first uh, same-sex kiss, too. And that was an ad lib as well. So when you see the... Uh, everyone's reaction that's an authentic reaction because it wasn't on the i don't believe i do not believe it was in the script um oh wow i also think it's the uh it's pretty funny with uh with the gaydar with jim and 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 uh dwight and, right. and michael uh, i think that's pretty pretty hilarious number four i have niagara part one and nice. two pretty much the culmination of jim and pam's relationship and i i think it's funny that jim in the end is the one that outs pam being pregnant in that episode instead of everyone being worried about michael and also michael not being able to have a a room the entire weekend is pretty funny also kevin wearing a toupee and kevin not wearing any shoes the 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 tissue boxes right yes yeah number three is stress relief probably one of probably the best one of the best openings of the show is the fire drill and when when um which culminates with the roast and one of i think it's a very popular meme right now with everything going on in social distancing michael scott in the park i that's all good stuff there and then number two is the dinner party because that's like you mentioned before, Leo, that's when you see them in the house for the first time together with everyone there. And it also has one of my favorite moments in the show when Michael sh- when Michael shows off his $250 18-inch screen TV. Uh, also the beer, the, the beer sign and also their argument um, regarding the, the vasectomy. And Michael's like, you have no idea the physical toll that three vasectomies have on a person. But <laughs> but the best thing that has come out of dinner party was Hunter's song. <laughs> Nothing on that episode tops that song. Hunter's song is it. Alrighty, and then to bring us back around, my number one, my favorite episode on The Office is season two, episode one, The Dundies. I think the way I, the Dundies are like a car wreck that you want to look away, but you have to stare at it because your boss is making you. That is my favorite line from that that episode, and I think it's the first episode that really got The Office on stride in terms of what the show ultimately became. And I think, I mean, I own a Dundee. So, nah, but everything about that episode, drunk, uh, Pam drunk, it's actually Jim and Pam's first kiss, if we want to count that. Um, the whole stuff, the the hottest in the office award that went to Ryan the temp. Everything about that, Carell puts on the performance of a lifetime with his failed MC routine. So everything about that episode, I think, is is every, the 
everything that is great about the office so leo take it away or no ryan take it away um number five trivia night number four niagara falls part two number three part one number two the finale and for my my favorite episode was goodbye michael just uh it had the perfect mixture of heart and humor i think of the entire series all righty and leo so my number five is garage sale um and it's funny when you mentioned the how dinner party had like introduced us to the light it introduces us to the the tv because those both come back in garage sale um you see that michael's trying to sell the broken tv yep. at jan Bro- and um and, and the beer sign also, and the beer sign and the beer sign the beer sign yeah um he's trying to sell that too um my number four is customer survey um that is the episode where um where jim and pam spend the whole time on bluetooth but jim's bonus is being affected by the survey that kelly had manufactured because she was upset um my number three is weight loss where yes, they're all com- that's great they're all competing to lose weight <laughs> Um, my number two, actually, Ryan, is Goodbye Michael. I think Goodbye Michael, um, yeah, for real, that, that that finale or his finale, his arc, is just really a strong episode all around. Mm-hmm. Um, and my number one, I kind of cheated just like I, I kind of think David did the same thing. My number one is Niagara 1 and 2. Yes. Um, so I, I bumped them together. I think I'm Niagara... the only one that's stuck by the rules, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if the show had ended at Niagara 1 and 2, um, that would have still been one of the greatest like, show finales. finales. And I still think, I still put The Office as one of my favorite finales because even though they dropped the ball a little bit with 8 and 9, I think the finale is still very good. But like, I think it could have been perfection with either Michael leaving or Niagara. I think those two would have been the perfect way to end the show. Agreed. But it, it was just Agreed. too popular. You're not going to – It was they, nope. they weren't going to end it. All righty. Go and ahead. I love the fact that their last, like, three or four episodes were, like, double episodes each. And, like, they did a good job of closing up a lot of the, like, loose loose ends. Yep. I actually <laughs> really liked – and this isn't any of our moments. I really liked Jim, the last romantic, quote-unquote romantic thing that he does for Pam. And we finally see what's in the pot. Yes. So I, I I really, really dug that ending with that. Um, all right. So let's move on to the last thing we're going to go through is some fun facts about The Office. There are a lot. So enjoy. So number one, Michael Schur, who was a writer and producer of the show, played Dwight's cousin, Mose. Oh, shoot. Uh, the casting team originally wanted John Krasinski to audition for the role of Dwight, and he ended up convincing them he would be better off as Jim Halpert. Number three, this is interesting that he still got the job after saying this. When Krasinski first auditioned, he accidentally told the executive producer of the show that he was worried that they were going to mess up the show since he liked the British version so much. Oh, wow. My favorite, my favorite person, number four, Phyllis Smith was originally only in this only an assistant casting director for the show, but when she delivered lines to the actors auditioning, producers were so impressed that they ended up making her making up the role of Phyllis Lappin for the show. Huh. Hmm. John Krasinski did a lot of research on Scranton and paper companies after getting the role of Jim. As a matter of fact, he shot footage of Scranton that ended up appearing in the opening credits of the video. So the opening credits were all shot by John Krasinski. That's oh, that's cool. Number six, one of Michael Scott's girlfriends, Carol the Realtor, is actually Steve Carell's wife. Yes. 
Number seven, Krasinski, Mindy Kaling, and Angela Kinsey were all at one point interns on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Number eight, Jenna Fisher kept the engagement ring that Jim gave Pam. She admitted on Twitter that it's, it's just a silver ring that isn't worth anything, but she has held on to it anyway. There's a, there's a lot of people that troll on Twitter that said, why are those two not married? <laughs> Number nine, Jenna Fisher had been a struggling actor for eight years before getting cast on the show, and then you guys throw shade at her at the end. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10, when the cast sang Seasons of Love for Michael in season seven, everyone cried in real life. So did we. Oh, that's a good one. Number 11, Fisher and Kinsey are best friends in real life, and now they have the podcast Office Ladies. As a matter of fact, Fisher is actually the godmother to Kinsey's child. Oh, wow. Number 12, on her, during her first day on set, Rashida Jones, who played Karen Filippelli, laughed at Carol's improvising so much that she thought she was going to be fired. Fun fact about that, I think Andy, they were also not supposed to make it through the whole third season and the only one that made it because he just made a, last, a lasting impact on the show was uh andy and so andy was never supposed to last past season three. Oh wow yeah oh. number 13 the cast picked the opening theme music u.s creator greg daniels gave them four versions of the song and told them to vote for the winner number 14 on several episodes a homer simpson doll can be seen on the set daniels was a writer on The Simpsons, so he put the doll as an Easter egg to his past. That's so... That's really cool. Number 15, the computers on set really worked and even had internet to make things more realistic. However, in the first season, everyone's computer were fake except for five main cast members. They did not get Wi-Fi. I, this is crazy. They did not get Wi-Fi on their computers till 2006. <laughs> oh, wow. Number 16, and the show Wiley would have not have lasted if this happened. Carell almost didn't get to play Michael Scott because he was committed to another NBC show called Come to Papa. When that didn't work out, he was able to finally commit to the office. Have you guys ever heard of Come to Papa? Oh. Nope. I, yeah, I had no idea. And then what I mentioned earlier when we first started, uh, it wasn't until after his 2005 40-year-old virgin portrayal that Carol became a superstar and someone... Uh, who got viewers excited and coming to see the show. Number 18, Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin, went to the same high school as Ed Helms, who played Andy Bernard. Oh, shoot. Another fun high school fact, BJ Novak and John Krasinski also went to the same high school. Oh, wow. And I mentioned that the first episode was straight shot for shot of the pilot of the British version. The first season of the show was the it was the one that was most based on the British version. Critics hated it, and no one felt optimistic about the show's future because it it, it relied so much on the British version. Have you guys seen the British version? I have. Best in pieces. I don't like it at all. Terrible. <laughs> Same. Yeah, and and I I don't know. I, I I thought that I would like it at least a little bit, but I feel like. You talked about unlikable. I forgot his name on the show, uh, but their Michael Scott is not likable at all. And he was on. He was on. He was. He was on the Office when they when they yeah. um when they were interviewing for Regent for new managers. Yeah. Uh, Actually, was he? I think I think he was on there twice. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Yeah, he was on there twice. I think. 
he was on so he was on there he was on there when he meets michael scott which is pretty cool then he he was on there as a video applicant for one, one of the job interviews and i'm not if i'm not mistaken i think he might have been the brother to um to one of uh oh my gosh remember the female manager that takes over for andy yes I think he plays her brother because his voice can be heard in a voicemail that she hears from her brother. Oh, interesting. Um, hmm. But I, I never confirmed it, though. But I, I know it's Ricky Gervais's voice saying, like, you know, I hope everything is right. You know, this is your brother. I mean, I wonder if they always had intended for the two offices to kind of cross like cross that. Cross Yeah, that would be that would have been interesting. Um, in regards to casting, I always like doing these casting fun facts just to, as a what if. Seth Rogen, Patton Oswalt. And Matt Besser all auditioned for the role of Dwight Schrute. However, Rain Wilson actually auditioned to play Michael. Huh. And other people that attempted to uh, that auditioned to play Michael: Paul Giamatti, Bob Odenkirk, Martin Short, and Alan Tudyk. And Odenkirk actually does play a Michael Scott character too. Yep. Later on, I think it's in. Is that when Pam goes to another branch? Correct. Yeah, she goes. She goes to interview for the yeah. realty job. Yep. Um, and yeah, he's identical to Michael Scott. Yep. Um, and then the episode where Jim proposed to Pam included the most expensive shot ever at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. The crew had to build a replica of a gas station and rest stop at the proposal scene, since filming at an actual gas station would have cost a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. That I would have never thought. It's like when you buy groceries and you spend like fifty dollars, but you buy like two things. You just like that would never have thought that that would have cost two hundred that much money. Dang! Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I thought it was a re- I thought it was a real gas station. I didn't know they reached. This is a fun fact I really like. Uh, during Michael's last scene, the one we mentioned for the airport, uh, Pam ran up to ran up to him at the airport and said goodbye, and he whispered something in her in. And he whispered something in her ear that viewers couldn't hear. To this day, Fisher has never revealed what he said, but has said the sentiment was real. Wow. Oh. And then this is good because um, it worked in creating the Michael Scott character. But Carell never watched the British version because he did not want to imitate Ricky Gervais's version of Michael Scott and create his own. Yeah. And create his own version of him. All righty. And then almost done. Um, your favorite play, your favorite person, James Spader, was only supposed to be making a cameo as a replacement for Michael, but producers liked him so much that he kept him on for the entire season. It feels like Robert California convinced them to let him stay on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carol sweat really sweats easily, so the set of the office had to had to be kept at sixty four degrees so his sweating wouldn't ruin the shot. Oh. The episode Beach Games, which you guys mentioned before, was a disaster. It was hot during the day and then very cold at night. Everyone ate so many hot dogs that they got sick, and Wilson accidentally got sand in Leslie David Baker's eye, who that's who plays Stanley, that he had to go to the hospital for a scratched cornea. Oh my <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> During, That's insane. This one I did not find out until I started doing research for this episode. During most of season three, Krasinski wore a wig because he had to cut his hair off for the movie Leatherheads. This is a really good wig because I I would have never guessed that. Yeah, yeah. no. The, the only weird guy wig I think was Andy when he came back from the his his uh his boat trip. Yep. He was like he had like a full beard and he had like long hair and there was like a scene mm-hmm. that 
In season four, Angela Kinsey was actually pregnant in real life and hit her stomach behind props like bags, printers, and boxes. Oh, nice. And then to coincide mm. with that, in season eight, Jenner Fisher was really pregnant, ended up coinciding with Pam's pregnancy. That makes sense. This I would have loved this next casting news. I would have loved Amy Poehler almost played the role of Jan, but she didn't mm. get the but she didn't get the role. But she ended up being like the Michael Scott of Parks and Rec from I what yeah, I assume. Right? Um, Mindy Kaling and B J Novak were originally hired as writers for the show before getting the roles. Novak was the first actor hired, so that's why Kelly. It took a little bit of Kelly to actually get her personality because she, it was very. Um, uh, she was very different in season one as opposed to what she became later. And then last three, Krasinski and Wilson often gave each other lines and advice while shooting scenes together. Nice. 49, when Fisher was cast as Pam, the first question she asked was if Krasinski was hired for Jim because she could only picture him as Jim. Wow. And the last fun fact Shroot Farms has a real page on TripAdvisor with thousands of reviews, but Shroot Farms <laughs> isn't a real place. The page even has a warning that says, this is a fictional place I've seen on NBC's The Office. Please do not try to book a visit here. That's, awesome. I fi- That's so cool. I figured it'd be a perfect way to end. Uh, all right, so that pretty much wraps everything up on this fun-filled edition of Real Chronicles. In terms of legacy of The Office, I've said numerous times on here i'm office stan on this podcast i think it's one of the funniest comedies of all time i think it's consistently gaining new and more more fans uh, and i've said stories on here about recent trips to disney how everyone had a comment about my dunder mifflin backpack or whatever um and it's older people young people everyone i know that has watched The Office, loves The Office. There's very few people that I've spoken to in my entire life that don't like The Office. Uh, it's one of those shows that I think will continue to grow thanks to Netflix and, unfortunately, in 2021, Peacock. Uh, but we will continue to have The Office, and it will continue to play in my living room for until the end of time. What about you guys? Yeah, uh, I love it. I think it's like um, I, I, even when I first saw it, like the – the Michael Scott antics, I really were like cringeworthy, and I, I just couldn't really like get behind some of like the realistic decisions he made. But like rewatching this show, you kind of just get a sense of like it's redefined TV. Mockumentary is taken very seriously now. Um, it's a really cool way to do a TV show, um, and it launched some awesome careers. And I think you said it; it's like it transcends age. Uh, thanks to Netflix, you can watch this as a teenager. You can watch this as an adult, and everyone grabs something out of it. And you, Ray? Um, you guys said a, said it best. I think it's a really great show. I believe it do, does transcend age, race, gender. It touches a little bit on everything. I love how you know, no matter where you are in your life, you can somewhat relate to somewhere in this show and that's one thing i did enjoy about this viewing of the show i agree all right kids so that pretty much wraps everything up for this week next week we will be back once again as we continue to entertain you through these hard times until next week see you later kids